When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Procedure. That's the nothing personal pick of the day. It is Monday, September 18th, 2023. Hope everyone had a great weekend. The word of the day. (laughs) All right, Coca. That's what we were doing, talking about before the show started, and we're live. Here we go. Roll it. Four, eight, six, nine. Procedure. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, September 18th, 2023, and we're talking about procedures. Procedures are things that you do when you're figuring out how to land a plane. Let's go through the procedure. When you're going through moving, when you're going through any sort of activity, you try to outline what your procedure will be. Sometimes you go to a doctor and they say, we need to do a procedure on you. And you say, well, what kind of procedure are we talking about, doctor? Will this require anything other than the copay? Will I have a little payment issue with my procedure? Shohei Otani has a torn ligament in his elbow. However, what they are saying in Anaheim is that he shall be undergoing an elbow procedure. They don't want to tell you he's having a second Tommy John because it's really hard to come back from a second Tommy John. But from a procedure, a little medicine, some duct tape, some rehab, and he'll be dh in no time, no problem, back on the mound, give me my $60 million. I needed to lead today. So much happened over the weekend, but I needed to lead with Otani and the Angels because it is staggering what's happening there in California. Let's start with the fact that the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles are not going to win 81 games. Again, eight straight losing seasons. In my career, I never had eight straight losing seasons. Now, I've had a lot of losing seasons, but eight in a row, come on. That's too many. Nine years without making the postseason? Yeah, I've done that. One appearance in 14 years? Yeah, I did that. But I didn't have Otani or Trout. Yeah, I definitely had great players, but are we underestimating how bad the Angels have been as a team with two of the best players on their team? Can we talk about it enough? Can we talk about the fact that Trout wins MVPs? How about the fact that in their eight straight losing seasons, two of those, Trout was the MVP, two of those, Otani was the MVP, including this one, it'll be his second MVP. 
They had a rookie of the year season with Otani and still couldn't win 81 games because baseball's hard. It's not like the NBA. It's not saying the NBA isn't hard. Let me say it a nicer way. You can't buy winning with three good players in baseball. But there's a lot of intrigue around the Angels. Will Artie Moreno sell if the price is right? But the number one story, we said it was Otani and his free agency. We said, look out for the network issues. That's the number one business story. People are gonna say it's the Otani free agency, but the TV landscape is an even bigger story. But now that we've seen that MLB will take over production when games are no longer available, or when the Phoenix Suns will just give you the games for free if you get the rabbit ears, which you can get for free while supplies last. Maybe that's not the biggest story. Are we back to Otani and how much he gets? Will that be? Well, his elbows hurt. Now he's just a really good DH. That's not the biggest story. Why do you think it's creating headlines when Shohei Otani was cleaning out his locker. Headlines, done in Anaheim, walking out with his head down after another failed year, never looking back again. Can I just explain, if you don't mind, relatively briefly, that at the end of every season, every player cleans out their locker, including the ones who are gonna be there for 10 years. You bring back your stuff and you start again the next spring. There are some players who keep some stuff in their locker because during the off season, if they live where their stadium is, they come into the stadium to use it to work out. But still, they take 80% of what was in their locker during the course of the season because it's like cleaning out your school locker at the end of a year in school or how smart it would be to clean out your desk at the end of the fiscal year and start over the next fiscal year because during the year, you accumulate a lot of crap. Players get so much free stuff during the course of the year that it would boggle your mind. Their glove deal, they get gloves. They get uniforms, different uniforms, different shoes. They end up with like 20 pairs of spikes in their locker by the end of the year. There's seven gloves. There's 20 pairs of shorts, t-shirts, hats. Oh, someone brought me a candle. They've got a lockbox where they look in there and they say, oh, that's where that extra $1,000 is. You have to go through. We encourage the players, no matter who they are, whether we know they're not coming back or whether we know they are, to clean out their locker. Some players give that job to the clubbies. They give the clubbies an extra C note and say, hey, box up all my stuff. Here's where to send it to. I'll see you in spring training. It is perfectly normal. The reason why it became such a big story is that it's Otani and he's a free agent, except there's a ton of pending free agents who clean out their locker and there's a ton of pending free agents who don't. That's not the criteria. So then we dug a little deeper and we listened a little longer. And then we heard, because for whatever reason, the Anaheim Angels decided it was gonna be good PR. After it was seen that his locker had been cleared out, they said, we'll have an announcement tomorrow. What? What are you gonna announce other than we've signed him to a 600 million 10 year deal? 
the announcement was that he's being put on the injured list. Didn't used to be an injured list in September, by the way, because you could call up unlimited players. Now the injured list is still active because you have a roster maximum in September under a new rule change that really was good for owners and bad for the union because so many fewer players are getting service time in September than used to when there were 35 guys called up. So the announcement was Otani's on the injured list with Oblique. He's not going to play rest of the season. That's not press conference worthy. That's not announcement worthy. That is, hey, Otani is not playing the rest of the year, which he shouldn't have been playing the minute his elbow got hurt. Why it took his oblique to have him not play is beyond me. But then they kept going. And what they said was that it seems as though Shohei Otani will be having an elbow procedure in short order. Why would Otani's agent ask the Angels and make sure that that's the nomenclature that we're going to use? Brilliant. Because they think that other owners will look and say, oh, it's just a procedure. It's not Tommy John. We don't have to worry. He'll be back in a jiffy. In a, God, I was holding a pen. In a snap of the fingers, if you could hear that better, which you really couldn't, left, right. Both snaps are a little dry today. Don't worry, we won't take into account that he may not come back from Tommy John because it wasn't Tommy John. Thank God you told us. A rose is a rose by any other name is still a rose if you're a thorn. Because every rose has a thorn. The angels just seem to always have issues. Anthony Rendon is fighting with them. Is, does he have a fractured tibia? Does he not have a fractured tibia? Should you care? Should I care? The only reason I care is that it's a funny argument to have with a player who you still owe so much money to. The fact that Rendon went to see two doctors on him on his own that he chose, the Angels had him see two different doctors and they couldn't agree whether it was a deep bone bruise or actually a fracture in his tibia. Well, for those of you who've been in sports or for those of you who may practice medicine without a license, you know that the difference between a deep bone bruise and a stress fracture and a fracture, it doesn't mean a compound fracture where it's sticking right out of the skin. If you see a tiny little crack in an X-ray, you can say, oh, that's a fracture. It's just like a hamstring tear versus a strain, an ankle sprain versus, oh, he tore the ligaments in his ankle. When you sprain your ankle, they're stretched. Some of them tear off. It's semantics, baby. What kind of fighting is going on between the front office and Anthony Rendon that's going to cause them to have to release him and just suck it up, the fact that he still has so many years left? The Angels have a lot of decisions to make. Shohei Otani has a lot of decisions to make. Having an elbow procedure is not a factor in any of those decisions. Procedure. G-M-A-B. Let's give an ovation right now. A sitting ovation. A 11 minute into the show ovation to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Those bastards of baseball, they keep winning. They keep using money like they're the Mets, except they win. Year after year after year. Sign a player, suspended and out of the league. No problem, we'll keep winning. 
have a great young player finish up a World Series, and then years later be nothing but a suspended domestic abuser, no problem, we'll keep winning. How did they do it? How did they spend the money and make sure that they still have young players who produce and then able to realize that signing Freeman is gonna work, trading for bets is gonna work, but letting Seeger go is gonna be fine because they can simply have Gavin Lux do it and then he's gonna get hurt, but don't worry, call the Marlins to get Miggy Rojas because he'll be just fine. I must say that Andrew Friedman deserves all sorts of love and attention because the Dodgers are gonna win their 10th title. And do you remember when this season started that actually I chose the Dodgers to win the National League West? Many of you were choosing the Padres. Coca, can I get an update on the Padres, please? Are they more than 20 games out of first place? Because I have a weird feeling that they're going to finish not close to the Dodgers. When everyone said, oh no, the Padres have it. They are exactly 20 games back right now. 20 games. That's almost three straight weeks where the Dodgers win and the Padres lose. And then they do the same thing the rest of the time. It's absurd that they're 20 games behind the Dodgers. When I was starting my career, the bellwether franchise was the Braves, and this is the John Scherholz Braves, not the Alex Anthopoulos Braves. And they were on a run where they would win the division every year. I think they won every year in the 90s, and they even switched divisions at one point. And during that whole time, they won one World Series in 1995. The Dodgers have won 10 titles in the last 11 years. It should be 11 in a row. The one they didn't win was a couple years ago when they had 106 wins. And the Giants, remember, the Gabe Kapler Giants had 107. And the Dodgers have one World Series. So are we supposed to look at the Dodgers like the Braves of the 90s? Do the Dodgers need to win again in order to separate themselves from that Braves dynasty? Was that a Braves dynasty? Or do you need a multiple, a second World Series to be considered a dynasty? My view is this, and I've had this debate, and it is self-serving, and you'll know why. I'm about the rings. Other people are about the chance, and the people who are about the chance to get the rings are about the people who don't get the rings. The people who say, I'd rather win the division 10 years in a row and win one ring because I've had a chance the other nine. Then say, I've only been in the playoffs two years, didn't even make the playoffs the other eight, haven't won the division at all, but I've got two rings. That's the old Marlins versus Braves argument. Who would you rather be? And people would say, well, in hindsight, I'd much rather be the Marlins, but in advance, I'd much rather be the Braves or the Dodgers because I want to have a chance. Give me a break. When someone asks you, would you rather? It's knowing what you know with the entire circumstance being finished to have a complete picture of where you are. So I ask you again, would you rather be the Dodgers and win your division 10 years in a row and have one ring 
or be the Marlins and never win your division in 10 years, but have two rings. I know where I come out because people remember the rings. It's a hell of a lot of fun for the Dodgers right now to celebrate, and I tip my cap and give them a city ovation to say they've won 10 out of 11 years, they've won the title. I give them all the credit. The Braves had a run of like 14 division titles in 15 years. Great, one ring. I don't know. It's pretty cool, but if the Braves win again this year, or the Astros who have already won two, you start looking at those as significant dynasties. What the Dodgers have is a smart, great front office. They've got a lot of money that they use smartly, bravely, correctly, and they win. But they need jewelry this year. Clayton Kershaw is not so sure they're going to get it. He's worried. Said it's been hard, been a tough year. Tough year for himself, even though he's had an unbelievable year. I thought he was finished. He's had an unbelievable year. Understands the competition in the National League is significant. Understands the competition in the American League is significant. We had two clinches this weekend in the American League. The Orioles and the Rays. What a great day. Do you know what they were doing in the commissioner's office yesterday? They were making sure that the social media people were ready. MLB was going to promote the Orioles and the Rays making the playoffs as much as possible because it is such an up yours to the union and it is so infuriating to owners of large revenue, large payroll teams. They see that the Orioles have clinched with all of the nightmare that is surrounding the Orioles front office ownership level. And it is a cluster with the Angelos brothers and the family. The fact is that Mike Elias and the Orioles and Brandon Hyde have put themselves in a position to have a great system where they have funneled players up and they have taken steps forward. And this is the year that it all happened for them. The Orioles are going to make it to the postseason. And what you would think is, wow, it's been forever. It's only been seven years. They went from really good to really bad to really good. It's what you want out of your team who is not Dodgers or Mets or Red Sox, you would hope would never have to rebuild or Yankees. But for the majority of us in the country, rebuilding and the windows, we talk about the windows, the roller coaster of the windows. How do you not give the Orioles credit for what they've done? So to me, they deserve another ovation, but I remain sitting for them because I want to see how they make their window last. What are they going to do going forward into next season? And I don't mean acquiring Jack Flaherty at the deadline. I mean, what are they going to do to make sure that they again are in this position? Which young players do they lock up, if any? Who do they sprinkle in? How much payroll are they willing to add on the come because they won't know whether or not the concomitant increase in revenue will be there? So before I fully celebrate them, I want to see, but I am willing to acknowledge that their rebuild has to be considered a success. The Rays, I will not go into again. It's too good. They're too good. Every year, they're too good. Their window stays open longer than it should because that's how their front office is able to operate. 
MLB does the stupid dance because they want everybody to operate like the Rays. They want everyone to have a low payroll like the Orioles. There will be memos sent out, the first owners meeting after the season in November, which may or may not include a vote to relocate the A's. We'll talk about that another day. Haven't seen anything about that except out of the Las Vegas paper. I figured we'd have a few more sources on that if it were true. But in any case, what do I know? In November, when they do an ovation for the World Series winner, which is the worst part of an owner's meeting for 29 of the owners, when we got our ovation in 04 for winning the World Series in 03, we, could, we were getting laser beams with, with the owner's eyes. Everybody's so jealous of the World Series winner that you have to applaud them even though you don't want to, but you do. So it's sort of like this, but you applaud by not looking at the person. You're sort of looking at your owner next to you or your president next to you like, hey, way to go, idiot, that you didn't get that done. Hey, way to go, way to go. So you get your applause for winning, but then the November owners meeting is going to include an entire statistical breakdown of the stupidity of the Mets, the Yankees, and the Padres, and why certain signings and certain payroll levels with teams that are financially not making money make you look like a fool. It's coming. And then there'll be a, a, a spreadsheet and a slide and a handout, which will show, look, look at what the Orioles did and look at what the Rays did. Believe me, it's coming. You know who they'd love to add to that group? They'd love to add the Marlins to that group. Having the Marlins make the playoffs the year after Jeter leaves would be brilliant. MLB would point that out. Having the Marlins win the World Series the year Jeter left would be amazing. Would love to see it. The Marlins swept the Braves. For those Braves fans who are concerned that that is an issue in terms of their chance to win the World Series, Coco, we didn't do this pre-show, I'm sorry. Did the World Series odds change this weekend? because the Braves got swept by the Marlins. Without knowing, I'm gonna say no, they shouldn't change because sweeps happen. The Marlins are H-O triple T and are fighting for a wild card. And I will tell you that the National League wild card, which is such a cluster right now, I don't wanna play a National League wild card team in the first round if I'm a division winner. And the reason I don't is that whoever are the National League wild cards, they're coming in hot. So it's gonna be interesting because the third wild card plays a division winner and the top two wild cards play each other. So the division winner, the division winner with the worst record is going to have to play either the Marlins, the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, or the Phillies, maybe even the Reds. It's gonna be fun. All right, wait to see is when I tell you something's gonna happen. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but I'll revisit it. And when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. On August 17th of this year, over a month ago, Marcus Stroman was out and I said, he's done. He will not pitch again this season. I should have been more clear. I should have said he won't start again. He returned as a reliever. He pitched two innings. The Cubs have lost a five straight. They're two and eight in their last 10. They are hanging on to the second spot, third spot, trying. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens here at the end, but I got that Marcus Stroman. Remember Marcus Stroman, the guy who wanted the extension because he was one of the best starters and then he was not good and then he got hurt and he impugned the Cubs and their front office abilities because they wouldn't sign him. 
and I told you, of course, they're not going to sign him because Stroman thinks he deserves a long-term deal of 20 to 25 to 30 million a year. And the answer is he deserves a two-year deal at 12. And that's a big enough golf that he's not going to sign that very quickly at all. And there's a bunch of teams who are going to be willing to offer him that. So we'll see what happens. But he did come back. Cubs are now tied with the Marlins for the final wildcard spot. Pretty unbelievable. All right, when we come back, we have an interesting review to do. It's a list that came to me, uh, a suggestion on Twitter at David P. Sampson. And then we're gonna talk about an update in Columbus. In the least surprising news of the weekend, the Columbus Blue Jackets have a new coach. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill welcome back to nothing personal hope you had a good weekend it is challenge week for me i'm starting my carbo loading today although i started that about three months ago starting friday morning after the show i'm doing four miles every four hours until sunday morning that's 48 hours of running it is a challenge that is being done to raise money for parkinson's so I'm spending a lot of time this week trying to eat and sleep and get ready. There's a bunch of people coming to New York to do it. There will be some social media activity and we are trying to get to a million dollars raised for my best friend, Brett Parker, who has Parkinson's and got it at the age of 38 and it is not great. He needs a cure and we're helping him get one. He's gonna be doing the challenge with me and a bunch of other people, so Look for that in my social media, David P. Sampson on Twitter and Instagram, uh, maybe some TikToks throughout the weekend with some links to donate. We've gotten some very generous donations from listeners, and I appreciate that. You've gone on to my website, davidsampsonpodcast.com, where Coke and I developed this website that you guys are using to buy merch, and we appreciate it. You all. Do I have to never say you guys anymore like Jeff Probst on Survivor? Come on in, guys. Oh, no. Come on in. I, I mean that colloquially, so let me, okay. What, what am I supposed to do there, Coca? That's not even on my list of things I can't say. Anyway, where were we? Ah, usually I watch a movie every day, which I did this weekend, or a TV show every day, which I did this weekend. We'll review Winning Time tomorrow, which got unceremoniously dumped last night in the middle of its finale. I'll review the entire season tomorrow. But today, I wanna do something a little different because someone on Twitter had a great tweet and it somehow came across my timeline. And between that, Facebook and Instagram, I truly don't understand how my timeline works anymore. But that said, the question was, 
What is your most memorable movie actor expression? And I immediately said, I got to do a top five here. And I'm not waiting for Metalark or Lebetard or Adnan. I'm going right now. Top five most memorable movie actor expressions. Number five, John Belushi in Animal House when he wears a sweater that says college and he looks in the camera and says, huh? That's an expression I will never forget. And if you're watching on Nothing Personal with David Sampson Live, you're seeing it because Coca's got it. I have that poster actually that I've had since college. Number four, in A Few Good Men, Jack Nicholson on the stand when he says, you can't handle the truth. Look at that expression. How would you ever forget that? I can't. Number three, Sharon Stone in her interrogation scene in Basic Instinct. Nice cut there, Coca. But I'm actually talking about the expression on her face when they said, Miss Trammell, there's no smoking. And she said, what are you gonna do? Charge me with smoking? I'll never forget that scene. Number two, Andy Dufresne crawling through a hundred yards of crap and sewer to get to freedom, looking up in the sky with something tied to his legs that will enable him to look good, get money, and then go to Mexico. I often have that expression on my face when I get done in the bathroom. I'm 55, it happens. And number one, let there be no doubt that the most memorable expression of my life was Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs when he said that he would like fava beans. <laughs> I don't like scary movies. I don't like to be scared. Anthony Hopkins is the number one with Javier Bardem and For No Country of Old Men, the number two movie villain in my mind. But Hannibal Lecter, OMG. That is the most memorable expression I've ever come across in a movie. What are your top five? It's good to think through, like what is imprinted in your mind? And it shouldn't require Google. Don't do an Adnan. What you should do is what is imprinted in your head? Mark it down. Let me see him. Maybe someone's top, top best five list we'll take a look at. All right, let's talk about Columbus. We don't talk, we don't talk enough hockey. I love hockey. When there's stories that I think are important or Coca thinks are important, we'll cover them and then we'll even cover the update. We did an entire segment last week. Make sure you listen on Mike Babcock and everything that went on with him in Columbus and the issue that Columbus had. No sooner could you listen to the show that word came out, strangely, that Mike Babcock had resigned as coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Hmm. Mike Babcock resigned. Nope, that's not how it worked. After the Mike Babcock situation, the Columbus Blue Jackets released a statement where the captain of the team and the team itself said, we stand by our man. It was totally cool having him look at our phones and having him check the photos, having him share the screen, having a player name. Hey, who are the top five players in this clubhouse? No problem. It's getting to know you. Who's your favorite animal? What's your favorite position? No. The NHL Players Association was gonna have none of it. Young players were feeling uncomfortable and feeling scared in a clubhouse full of veterans trying to figure out, do they say something? Do they not say something? How's it gonna work if we do say something? The Columbus Blue Jackets realized that there was no coming back for Mike Babcock. 
and that they were screwed. They said to Babcock, we're not gonna keep you, but we have to have you resign. And the reason we have to have you resign is we can't say that we fired you because four days ago, we were supportive of you and we released a statement saying this is a big nothing burger. This is all made up on a podcast. So therefore, it has to be you saying that you're resigning, but we'll pay you off, no problem. You'll keep your deal. But you gotta say you resigned so then we can say, hey, you know, we, we understand, we appreciate that he realized the severity of the issue and that there was no coming back, so we accepted his resignation, wink, wink. Now the Columbus Blue Jackets have to deal with a locker room issue where they've got veterans who came to Babcock's defense who are now embarrassed that they did and they've got rookies who didn't come to his defense, who now were in a clubhouse with veterans saying, oh my God, are we about to get hazed like we're at Northwestern? So the most important thing when training camp opens for Columbus is a team meeting where the veterans need to lead the meeting, not the new coach, not the general manager. I wanna hear from Jenner. I want him to stand up and say very simply, boys, I did not have your back the way I should have. As captain of this team, I should have recognized the inappropriate nature of what the coach was doing. I so badly want this team to gel and be good that I thought that what he was going to do was going to bring cohesion and togetherness. I didn't realize it was going to cause a divide. Knowing what I know now, mea culpa, I made the mistake. That is a way to make the clubhouse better, the locker room more comfortable, and it's a way to try to get past an issue where you have this situation the way Columbus has. It will be very interesting to watch what happens because Babcock will not get another opportunity to coach. We know that. What owners do and how they continue to make mistakes in hiring or signing is the continued belief, and it's all based on hubris and ego. We all used to think the same way. I used to think the same way. I can change that person. Whatever happened in the past won't happen with me. Whatever performance that was bad won't happen with us. We've got a better manager, better coaches, better players. Whatever clubhouse turd he was, he won't be that with us. We'll be able to manage him. We say whatever we have to say to justify the moves we wanna make in the name of being better because we all wanna win. We all wanna be better and we close our eyes to reality. And then when reality happens, we open them and say, my God, I'm totally shocked. Why did that happen? And then we have to start with PR statements, backtracking, walking it back. At some point, there's going to be more statements. There's gonna be more media inquiries. But in the meantime, Babcock gone as coach of the Blue Jackets. Tell you what else is gone. My going undefeated this weekend with my nothing personal pick of the day. I was 2-0 heading into Sunday. Broncos three and a half over Commanders. No problem. Broncos off to a lead. A, a weekend of sweeps is in the making. Commanders storm back like they're the Giants playing the Cardinals. Sean Payton looks like he can't have enough Gaviscon. Literally looks awful. Russell Wilson, I think Peyton's looking at him like, God dang it, we stink. Then there's a Hail Mary from heaven. And I'm thinking, 
a punt return for a TD in overtime. We got ourselves a cover of a three and a half point spread because I gave the extra half. So a field goal doesn't even get me a push. And then the two point conversion doesn't even work and the Broncos lose. I had one Friday night when we said the Rays were gonna beat the Orioles. That was an easy one, Flaherty was pitching. We won Saturday, finally Jays fans relax. We had the Jays over the Red Sox. The Jays swept the Red Sox this weekend after being swept by the Rangers. That's why you've got to stay calm and be robotic as a baseball fan. You can't get too high or too low. Just take it easy. Take a chill pill and be still, Bill. Plenty of time. There's 12 whole games left. And then Sunday, we had the Broncos and we lost. I wonder if Sean Payton is saying, you know, this is just not worth it. I would do stadium work and I'd go to the stadium. I'd barely prepare. I'd put on some makeup. I'd make me look good. I'd cash a big check. I'd go home and I'd be great. I got to fly maybe, but whatever. Now I got to live with this loss and I got to live with the media and talk to them. And I got to look at Russell Wilson and Ciara every day and say, God, are we screwed? <sighs> Monday, tonight, two Monday night football games. Coca, did you know that there's two games tonight, but there, it's not a double header? Talk about the need for programming. I believe they only start an hour apart and one is on ESPN and one is on ABC. Do I have that right? I think there's a 7.15 Eastern game and an 8.15 Eastern game. And you know that ESPN and ABC are owned by the same people. Anyway, I'm taking the Steelers plus two versus the Cleveland Browns. And the reason I am is can the Steelers be as bad as they were last week? Is that possible? And am I willing to now say that Deshaun Watson is gonna carry that team because their defense is so good, which it is, that they're gonna be a team playing into January? And so I've gotta look at the Browns all the way to January. I'd rather look at the Steelers. So let's go Steelers getting two at home. This seems like a sucker bet. That's why we're taking it. Steelers plus two as we try to improve on our 126 and 131 record with our nothing personal word of the day. With our nothing, 4869, with our nothing personal pick of the day. That's twice that I reversed it this show. Do we have to start the whole show over? All right, I gotta turn the page here to two subjects I wanna touch on that were bothering me this weekend that I'd like you to at least think about if you don't mind. I wanna start with what happened with Minnesota and the Vikings and one of their players. We are very focused on social media and I've talked about this before, but I wanna maybe get through because the audience keeps getting bigger thanks to you all spreading the word. Number one baseball podcast, but we talk about more than baseball and that's why people stay. We talk about the power of the platform. We talk about what it is to be responsible and take responsibility for the things you say and the actions that you take. Why is it when a player, like a player for the Vikings, I'm talking about Madison, but I don't even wanna mention his name because it doesn't matter who the player is. When you root against a team or you root for a team and that team loses and you bet money and you lose because when you bet money, there's a chance you're gonna lose. That's why it's called gambling. And then instead of just saying, all right, let's go get him next time. Instead of realizing that bad beats happen, instead of realizing that sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and that's called playing the game. 
and it's business because there's money involved, but hey, that's your job too. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you get a bigger bonus, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get fired, sometimes you don't. Why does it open the door for you or anybody to bully or be racist toward somebody? I'm just curious. If I'm Alexander Madison right now, and I'm getting racist DMs after the loss that they had to the Eagles last week, I'm trying to figure out whether or not the juice is worth the squeeze. Am I canceling my accounts? Am I closing off all DMs, which people do? Am I making sure that I don't see anything because I want to live in a bubble? Or do I want to dive knee deep into it and face it straight on and realize that this is a problem that we have that is so systemic in our society. We all think we're getting better and things are improving. We're making all sorts of changes in the NFL with diversity and inclusion and equity. We want to hire as many people. Jerry Jones, find me minority owners. I love it. I'll carry them in on my own back. Forget what I said to Trotter. I didn't mean it. Maybe we just need to realize that there's nothing we can do. And that really pissed me off this weekend as I was thinking about this topic. And I was wondering how many times, how many more ways can I talk about the fact that they're racist and they manifest that racism all different ways. And then when they lose a bet, they do it to a player or they do it to a synagogue or they do it to a random person on the street. What can I do that can stop it? People say, educate, educate people about how to end racism. Give money. Let's give money to programs that are there to end racism. And I think to myself, why isn't it working? And then I realized that I'm raising money for Parkinson's and have been doing it for 15 years, doing crazy athletic events, and yet there's no cure. And I keep going. I raise money for cancer every year and my sister dies of cancer, but I keep going. What is it that causes me and so many others to keep trying to do something in the face of the knowledge that you're gonna fail? And then it hit me. I'm not gonna fail. There will be a time, one day, maybe not when I'm on this earth, but one day when there'll be a cure for something, will there be an end of something, when there'll be one person who grew up with racists who is no longer racist, where there'll be one person who grew up with a parent who died of cancer or Parkinson's who him or herself gets the disease and doesn't die from it. There will be growth and change and I'm okay if I don't see it. I'm okay planting seeds where I will never ever get the shade of the trees that grow. I'm good. I've come to grips with it. On the other hand, why should I have to come to grips with that? Why is it okay for athletes to have racial slurs thrown at them? Kick the people out, kick them off social media, kick them out of the stadium, kick those Alabama racists out. Is that enough? Do you do it one at a time? At what point do you stop swatting mosquitoes and just leave the room? That is the question that I'm still asking myself. There is a group of people who are never going to change. 
The hope we have is that the way we react to those people will change and will then cause that group to shrink and shrink and shrink until it becomes a pocket of people where they understand that their existence is so extreme and so without merit that they're almost ashamed to have that point of view because they don't find comfort in numbers. They find misery in loneliness. So seclusion, that's the ticket. Let's call out the people who act the way they act because you know who they are. If they're in your life or they're in your orbit, expose them and then isolate them. And maybe over time, they will realize that the way they're looking at something is wrong. And the way we're looking at it is right. And the way I want you to look at it, I hate making bets that lose. I hate supporting things that don't change. But tolerance is the number one. That is the number one view that we should all have. You think that Alexander Madison, his plan, when he started that game, you know what? I'm going to make sure we lose 34-28 to the Eagles. Or do you think any athlete goes out or any person who's doing their job and they go out and say, I'm tanking it. And when they do, we catch them. And does it have to do with race? Never. So why does it become about race? Why is that where people go to when they're angry or upset about something? Oh, it's race. No, it's not. As we move forward during the course of this week, this month, this year, this decade, this century, and this lifetime, why not just give it thought? Give it thought. In the meantime, I'm coming back tomorrow with the review of winning time and an update on the stories that are meaningful to me and to you because it's just business. This is nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.